I'm Eric Chemi, and this is Politely Pushy. Welcome to the show. My guest today, George Waller. He's a co-founder and executive vice president at Zerify, which just rebranded from Strikeforce. I feel a little awkward doing this conversation on StreamYard because your company does video <laughs> solutions and cyber secure video solutions. And, and it's probably a lot better and safer and more hardcore tech than what we're doing here. So I appreciate you uh, humbling yourself and, and joining me here on the StreamYard version of it. So George, just, just walk me through you know, the rebrand strike force to Zerify and, and, and why the, why the name change and, and exactly did the company change in that rebrand itself? Sure. And, and first of all, Eric, it's a pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me on your podcast today. And um, uh, so w- let me give you a little bit of the, the background and the chronology of, of who Strikeforce is and how we get here in Xerify and video conferencing, right? So Strikeforce Technologies, which I'm one of the co-founders with uh, my two other partners, we, we were a 21-year-old cybersecurity company. And we were selling technologies, we were building and selling technologies for 21 years. Uh, we've built some incredible technologies. Uh, we're the inventors and patent holders of a technology called Ataban authentication, uh, which is the most secure form of authentication in the world. Uh, today, uh, that technology between, our, between us and others that are distributing it is used about over a half a billion times each and every day, the technology that we invented. We also invented a keystroke encryption technology because malware is so pervasive in today's you know, landscape and it's so dangerous and malicious that we figured out a way of stopping one of the most important uh, or dangerous malware, which is keyloggers, because they copy every keystroke that you type on the keyboard and any virus doesn't stop them, any malware doesn't stop them. Um, and then we also built this very unique uh, mobile solution, which added keystroke encryption to your mobile devices. So, so for 21 years, Strikeforce has been a distributor, a, a manufacturer, patent holder, and distributor of these technologies. And we've done, you know, over the years, we've done great deals with uh, partners that needed to protect their networks and stuff like that. Uh, banks, insurance companies, hospitals, universities, uh, individuals in over 120 countries have bought our technology. So our technologies are out there. And when the pandemic hit, like most companies, especially because we're here in New Jersey, New Jersey shut down first in March of you know 2020. So we started basically working remotely because uh, we're in Edison, New Jersey. And when we were working remotely, we started using Zoom. Then we went over, we didn't like it. We went over to WebEx. We didn't like it. We went over to Meet Me Now, Join Me, Blue Jeans, you know, Teams, you name Blue Jeans, Zoho, all of them. Can I, can I interrupt for a second? Sure. You started with Zoom. What made you not like it? And then, the, and then we're going to go through each I'm one. Sure Why did you the, not uh, like each one? Oh, well, well, with all of them, what we didn't like with all of them was that they had no form of cyber in it. It was no security anyone could get a link and automatically log in. And since we are dealing in, you know, in an area about privacy and data protecting it, the last thing we want to do is talk about sensitive data, about customer information, about securing someone's network in a net over a forum that couldn't be secured. But, right? but don't I see 
and I'm just I'm asked partly I'm asking because I'm I'm a mere mortal, right? Like if I if you and I are let's say doing this on Zoom, it's just you and me here. Like I would know if there was a third person, right? Like isn't it obvious if someone else shows up? No, that's the thing. Um, there is malware today, Eric, that I can get onto your your onto your laptop or your desktop or even your mobile device, and I could literally copy your audio file. I could literally copy your video file and I can get your outbound speaker file and you'll say, well, first of all, which outbound speakers, right? Well, basically when you're talking, because you're on the other side, um, you're up in Northern Jersey. So as you're talking, your voice is coming out of my speakers. Imagine if I have five or 10 people on here, I'd have all of their voices coming over my speakers. Well, those three streams, your audio, your video, and your microphone stream going into the computer and the speaker's coming out, there's malware that can capture all of that. So while- Oh, it can capture, see, oh, I see. So let's say even if you're secured, like George is secured on, in, in South Jersey and Eric is not secure somehow, I have malware in North Jersey, your audio is being heard over here by the malware and there's nothing you can do about it. Exactly. So you don't only have to be in a video conference to steal the video conference content. And when you think about content today, you have all the speakers, they're all talking, and now there's all sensitive data. So what had happened was that when the pandemic hit and we started using these systems, we kept on looking for a better one, better one, more secure, more secure. We realized that, wow, there's nothing on the market. Then it hit us, you know what? The reason there's nothing on the market that's secure is because there is not a single, not a single video conferencing vendor that's a cybersecurity company. They have video conferencing vendors. Some of them, like WebEx, have been out there for 28 years doing this, and Zoom been out there 14, 15 years, and others, you know, various amount of years. Can I jump in with two questions just while I have you on this thought before we move on? Was there any concern at sort of country of origin, where the servers are? Because we hear about, okay, Zoom, there's a little bit of a Chinese relationship there. And, and can you trust what's happening there? Was that was that part of the concern or is it more this broader concern you're talking about? Well, it was the broader concern um, for most of them other than Zoom. Obviously, we read the newspapers, we read, you know, we hear the stories and we know there was a, there was a lot of controversy. We know that they had a lawsuit or two with the federal government about data being, you know, possibly given out, allegedly given out or, you know, misuse, you know, uh, uh, they, they misappropriately advertised to people saying something was secure and it wasn't. And, you know, there were settlements. We know all that. But the thing is, just in general, None of the systems that we looked at that we were using, we felt comfortable. And we were like, wow, nobody, nobody out there has a secure video conferencing system. So what we realized, Eric, is that each of our products that we spent 21 years building, each of them had a major play into solving the problems which were going on in video conferencing. People logging in unintendedly, right? You know, and there's even a verb around it, right? Zoom bombing, they're bombing into your video conference. And in the, the landscape of malware, stealing all the content. And we realized that we had products that can make any video conferencing solution more secure. So we thought, you know what? One of the things we should do is go to the top manufacturers of video conferencing 
and, you know, very politely call them up and say, hey, listen, guys, you know, you have a lot of people, you know, bombing into your video conference. We have a technology that can help you stop that instantly on the dime. Instantly stop it. So is we that, reached out. Is that just a is that just the passwords that we're seeing now? Like all right, Zoom has a password. And I remember they remember I remember a couple of years ago it was just like here's a link and then people would show up and then it's like, okay, now you need a password. Is it is it just that simple or is there something bigger here? Um it, it was it was much bigger. It really was. And I, I asked because I don't know, right? I asked just from the point yeah. of view of a end consumer point of view. Yeah, I mean, it was the it was the, the entire application was you know all of them were non secure, and we just we realized that because not a single video conferencing technology was made by a cyber company, they didn't know how to secure the data. They didn't know how to secure people. They didn't know how to authenticate people. They didn't know how to lock down the keyboard, the microphone. The, you know, they didn't know how to lock down anything. Now, by the way, we never we never put fault in them because that wasn't their job, right? Their job, their company was, each of them was around building video conferencing. We're a cyber company, right? So we're very different. It's Apple and Orange. We're all about protecting data, protecting, locking down your network, locking down your device. And they're about allowing people to see and hear each other. So we were very different universes. But we shared, but we shared one common thing, which was people and data and privacy, right? We both shared that. We were doing something about around it, but not in a video conferencing world. They had all these people talking and meeting with each other, but they weren't doing anything about cyber. So what we did was we realized that, you know what? We should actually reach out to all the video conferencing vendors and say, hey, guys, you know, like you, we're good guys. We've been in this space for 21 years. We have technology that could actually help you stop that problem immediately. Right now, today, you can stop bombing. You could stop, you know all the other, you know, the malware that's stealing video and audio and and, and, and um, speakers. Uh, so we reached out to every one of the top 20 vendors. Are there really 20? There's that many? There's actually vendors? more than that. There's actually a really? lot more than that. But we reached out to the, the, the top 20. There's about five names that people know. Then there's about 15, you know, or so names that people don't know, but are, you know, have been out there for years. And like any technology, in anything, there's always all the you know imitators and stuff like that. What was what was the response when you say, "Hey, your system's not secure, and I have a solution for you"? Are they they want to hear that story, or they want to slam the door in your face and say, "Don't worry, we got it covered. It's it's not that bad." Uh, almost every one of them slammed the door in our face and said, "Thank you. We're not interested in cyber. We don't care about cyber. Um, we don't see it being a problem." And even though we show them all these reports, all these damaging you know, uh, news articles saying, listen, this company data breach because of video conference and this one, this one, they basically, Give some they examples. realized. Give some examples. I'm just curious. What are some examples of how? Yeah, well, in healthcare, breach got, in healthcare, yeah. there was, you know, I, I had actually um, made up a, a, a slide that I could share with, you know, these folks. And I made a little bit of a PowerPoint and there's one slide where uh, just talked about healthcare data breaches because of video conferencing and, I couldn't put enough, um, there wasn't enough space on the page for all the images that I had. I had to start stacking them over of all these breaches and it got crazy. And, and it wasn't, by the way, just in, in healthcare. It was in financial services. It was in military, federal, DOD. It was in, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, legal, right? Because legal, they have all this intellectual property. And what we realized, Eric, is that 
it concentrated in all these highly regulated industries. Hackers were going there because of this reason. When the pandemic hit and the world went to video conferencing, prior to that, video conferencing was really only used for updates every now and then. And, or if you miss your plane and you couldn't get on a trip, let's say next week to London or, or UK. It was pretty rare. It was, a, it was sort of a last case serious. use scenario. Yeah, exactly. And it was for basically a sales update and every now and then, and, and presentations, right? It, not, I'm, I didn't mean to say sales update. It was more for presentations. And if you couldn't make a, a trip or something, and, or you had to update someone, you did it over video conferencing. But the thing is, there wasn't any data shared over it, right? It was, you know, sensitive data, intellectual property, financial services. It really wasn't that. So when we, you know, so when we went to these 20, uh, almost every one of them said, thanks, but no, thanks. We're not interested. A couple. Well, why, us, why do you think they weren't interested? Because they thought they could fix the security themselves and they didn't want to pay someone to do it or no, they no, didn't no, want no, to no. admit that there's that. a problem. Well, I don't think I'll ever know that answer. Right. Cause none of them said we just can't solve it and we don't care about it. Right. They wouldn't want to go on a record about that. Uh, the ones they, they mostly said, we don't see, you know, we, we don't feel that it's a problem for us. And then I talk about the security side of it. And then they say, well, yeah, we understand your, your point. But again, we're video conferencing people. We're not cyber people. And uh, some of them expressed that. Interestingly enough, they admitted they said our architecture of our platform won't allow for that type of security to be. It would take us years to be able to build security into our system the way it was architected and we stressed to every one of them you should be taking you should be adopting a zero trust environment where you never trust anyone everyone should be authenticated all the time tell me about that phrase because i hear this phrase mm -hmm. zero trust all the time now and i don't think most normal people understand what that means so give me a basic on a basic summary what, what does that mean by zero trust it sounds bad zero trust doesn't sound like a good thing Right. Well, zero trust essentially is don't trust anything or anyone and verify it, verify it. In other words, if you know, you're going to let someone in, you first have to verify that they are who they say they are. So you have to authenticate them. So we took that position that going out, saying to all these video conferencing par potential partners that, hey, we can help you verify the, the you know, when someone logs in. We can help you verify your meeting manager. Not only that, but think about this. If, if you were to get into their meeting manager, right, their portal where they go set up meetings, well, every one of them, they have all sorts of, uh, they have databases in there. They have who's been on meetings. And if they recorded them, then you have all that intellectual property that you could go and listen to someone's recorded videos, right? Because if you look at a lot of these vendors, they all allow you to store your recordings up in the cloud. But if I can log in as you, guess what? I have access to those recordings. Therefore, you have a data breach and you don't even know about it. So when we approached them all, like I said, most of them said, thanks, but no thanks. That's, you know, we don't understand it. Or they said, a bunch of them admitted, they said, we can't, there's nothing we can do with our platform to add cyber. And then what we did was we said, actually, there is. We built our solutions in a way that they could easily be added. But none of them, none of them were taken. They all basically said, eh, cyber isn't our thing. We don't have people on staff. Where are we going to go get, you know, a whole staff of people to handle cyber? We got to build departments or divisions. And they didn't feel like going down that road. None of them. So after we reached out to the top 20-ish, and there were many, many more, 
we realized that none of them would be, you know, none of them were takers, none of them were interested in this. And then we got thinking, you know, we make these solutions. All we need to do is build a video conferencing platform on top of our core solutions. And then we'll have something built from the ground up with, you know, cybersecurity and zero trust from the ground oh, wait, up. So it's, we tried to help these other guys. They all said no. So damn it, we're going to do it ourselves now. That's exactly what we did. We said, if we can't join them, then essentially let's beat them, right? Let's beat them. Let's, let's carve out a niche uh, in secure video conferencing because there is no such thing out there as secure video conferencing. It's just all video. So are we not secure right now? What are we doing right now? Yeah, no, no, we're, we're not secure at all. What, so, so like, let's use this real example. So I only see you and me right here. What, right. what are the main risks that you see in this scenario right now? Well, the, the first thing is that you sent me a link. All I had to do is click on a link and log in. Right, anyone now, with that link, that's true. Anyone with that link could pop up. If you forward it to right. 10 people, they could all pop up. That's right. Right, and if you think about bombing in on someone's conference right now, one of the biggest problems with that is when they get in, and when you have a lot of people and you're busy. Yeah, most like of the hundred time, people on some big corporate Zoom, you know, God people don't come in with that. their cameras on. They shut yeah. their cameras off. And all of a sudden, just it's another person. If you have a meeting, you're waiting for 18 people to join in. It's just ding, ding, ding. All these people are joining yeah. in, right? So you could just get in with your camera off, pick a name like Mike. Uh, or just put like your computer name or something like on there. And all of a sudden you're just one of the members on that conference with 17 or 18 What about people. when they do have the passwords though, right? Or they make you log into your, your actual, I'm going to say Zoom, like your account, right? Like are there, are there ways to mitigate that right now? Well, well, here's the problem with the passwords that they do. They give everyone the same password. Yep. It's everyone so has the same what, what good is what good is a, a password if everyone has the same exact password, right? Because if I was if I had spyware in your computer and I key logged you, I would have the link for that you know for that for that conference, and I would have the password if they applied a password concept to it. So essentially, I get in. Right, and a lot of the links that pass that are that are sent, they have the password stuck on the end of the link anyway on the URL. So it's basically just a longer version of the same link, which I always wondered about that. Yeah, exactly, and and obviously that's not secure. So going back, so what we decided, all right, we're going to build our own, and we're going to build it from the ground up, built on our our you know world famous award winning authentication platform. So what we do is we took our platform and then we layered a video conferencing solution on top of it. And because our platform is a zero trust architecture, in other words, we authenticate everyone every time, that was the perfect way of making sure that no one that is not invited to the meeting should ever get into that meeting. And so we said, all right, we're going to build a video conferencing. We're going to build it from the ground up. We're going to build it. So we basically, it took us a little over a year and we built, we, we ended up with having, you know, our platform. And what's, what's wild when we think about this is we actually built in more cybersecurity in a, in a year and maybe a half, a year and a half in total, than the top 20 vendors that we were talk, trying to talk to combined. If you took all 20 of them, and you took any cyber that they have, they don't. They still don't come near the cyber security that we have in our system. Why is that? Because we're a cybersecurity company.
So how do you now go to companies and say, hey, stop using Microsoft Teams, Google Meet, WebEx, BlueJeans, <laughs> Zoom, you name it. Stop using them and use us. Well, um, we actually don't take that position. Uh, we, we are not big believers in um, rip and replace. And face it, a lot of companies, if they've built and they spent a lot of money on video conferencing and on training and resources, you know, they're not going to be that fast to just rip out the old, especially who are you going to go to? You're going to go to the IT director who actually recommended what they put in there, you know, a year ago or two years ago. Now he's going to say, oh, you know, sorry, boss, the half a million dollars or the million dollars that we spent doing this, wrong decision. I should have waited and bought, you know, Zerify, you know. So, um, so we don't take that position. But to add to the story is because we had multiple technologies prior to, to doing this, um, we also had this anti-malware in the, in the shape of an anti-keylogger, and we had a mobile security too. So when we decided to build a video conferencing platform, we said, let's look at all the aspects of stealing. So the first thing is from the platform perspective, we've got to have strong authentication. We're going to use our zero trust platform architecture to make sure that everyone is authenticated every time. Um, and we even built into the platform the ability to what we call step up authentication, where if I have a secret, secret high meeting that is super sensitive, I could actually on the fly when I'm scheduling that meeting, I could actually step up the level of authentication where when someone goes to log in, their cell phone will ring. Then they'll have to authenticate over their cell phone in real time just to get into the conference. That's that's what we call our out of band authentication. This, this feels very, very much like okay, governments, military, super secure. You know, maybe it's uh, financial companies. You know, very big organizations may need this. Like I'm hearing that and think is that is that the target of who would want this as opposed to let's say a smaller business? No, no, no. It, it's 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 any size business, Eric. Especially you know, given that. Uh, there was a report uh, about a year ago, I remember reading it, talking about on the average SME, small to medium-sized enterprise, um, that over almost 70% of them will be out of business within six months of a data breach. So it's, it, it's appropriate for every company to have secure video conferencing. Yes, the big companies can afford if there's a data breach to spend the tens of millions or hundreds of millions in fighting off, you know, uh, antitrust lawsuits, uh, you know, or, um, you know, uh, all sorts of uh, lawsuits, right? Uh, from, you know, from clients lawsuits to uh, vendor lawsuits and so on. Not, and the regulators, right? Paying the penalties and the loss of customer. But it's really, it's for everyone. So, Going back, so we, we decided that when we built it, there would be two components. There would be our video conferencing platform. Then there was also going to be a desktop solution because the desktop solution would allow us to lock down the camera, lock down the microphone, lock down the speakers, lock down the keyboard, lock down the clipboard, and then lock down your screen so that malware can't take an, you know, an unintended desktop or a screenshot, which I call screen scraping, take a screenshot of every, anything that you have up on, up on the screen. So we said, you know what, this is what we're going to build. We spent a year and a half or so, and we built those two. Now, 
when we built them as and to you know to further your question you know we don't feel that we should go in and say to everyone throw out throw out throw out right because people don't like to be told to throw out so what we do is this we have two positions for everyone we say to them listen we have the the most secure video conferencing platform in the world bar none no one even comes close if you don't want to rip and replace then what you should do is put our solution in there and then when you have those highly secure meetings use our solution for that meeting so if you're just doing a standard update meeting and you don't want to again do a whole rip and replace you know let people use whatever you're using now but when you have those secure meetings then use our solution for that secure meeting then the second solution that we have to offer folks, which is very, very, very unique, is that our desktop part of our of our Zerified Meet, and that's what we call it, our Zerified Meet platform, we broke that out so it could be sold separately. And the great thing about that is that we can now go to those folks that have Zoom, join me, Teams, WebEx, and um, offer them our technology to make their Zoom more secure, to make their WebEx more secure, to make their Teams more secure. I mean, we make we make Zoom users more secure than Zoom makes them. We make WebEx users more secure than WebEx. Why is each that? Of why, the other. why why is it that those companies themselves didn't add that layer of security? And why why does it take you to have to do that? Well, be, first, firstly, is because they're not cybersecurity companies, uh, none of them. Secondly, what we're talking about is protecting data down at the kernel level, the most, um, the most, you know, lowest level on a computer, where it took us years and years and years to build and, and learn and and become experts at protecting data against malware that is already designed to avoid detection from your antivirus. So it took, you know, we're kernel level developers in here. So we're in the very lowest part of the operating system. And there are very few companies out there, even very few cyber companies that develop at the kernel level. But that's what we do. We develop at the kernel level. How has the threat changed since the pandemic started a couple of years ago? Is it you're seeing more nation states or less, or is it more of a certain type of hacker or is it, you know, corporate espionage? What is the, the change in who you have to be afraid of right now? Well, that's the, that, that's the, the biggest problem that's plaguing everyone right now. See when, when, so when the hackers found out that they can, the first thing they did was they start zoom bombing. And, you know, because we all read the articles every day in Zoom. And by the way, you read every day there's a Zoom bombing attack somewhere or multiple attacks. And by the way, the same thing happens to Teams. The same thing happens to WebEx and all the others. Well, when that started to really become pervasive and really get out there, well, hackers realized that something very unique is that when the world went from not using video conferencing, other than those, you know, I can't make a trip or something like that, to now using it for right when the pandemic started, what did they do? Everyone went to video conferencing because they needed to contact their employees, right? Because all employees all over the United States, all around the world were working remotely. And your boss got to keep in touch with his, you know, his workers and vice versa, right? All the managers got to talk. Well, that happened. 
And then what they realize is, okay, we can make this work using video conferencing with remote employees, but how are we going to get our business keep moving forward? So what they did was they started extending that video conference capabilities to now inviting their clients, inviting their business partners, inviting their customers. And what they did was they, it was just a natural, you know, progression that video conferencing now folded into the fabric in which every company works. So now video conferencing is a daily occurrence from just about every company in the world is using it and they're conducting business over it. So when the business started going there, guess what? That's when the hackers went because hackers follow money. And whether it's nation state hacking and, you know, they're going after military secrets, they're going after DOD, they're going after, you know, um, you know, utility grids and stuff like that. Or it's, you know, um, you know, financially motivated hacking groups. So and then you got your individual hackers. And because no video conferencing platform was designed with cybersecurity, it was very easily beat and it was very easily, you know, hacked. So hackers started going, you know, they it really became their, their heyday for them is when the world went to video conferencing. What's your thought on paying the ransomware that a lot of hackers ask for? You think that's what companies should be doing or should they try not to pay it? We see both answers to that question. Yeah. Um, we get we get we get asked that question very often, and I don't think hackers should. I, I don't think you should be. Um, you shouldn't have to pay, and and I understand that they do. But what they haven't done is they haven't set up their networks with the right protocol, so that if a ransomware attack comes that they can still work without that. So, you know, their backups, their, you know, secondary servers, you know, they're not segmented in a way where even if ransomware gets on it and locks down every hard drive, that you can continue. There are systems out there that will enable a company to carry on even if there's a ransomware attack. Few companies have really went to that extent because, you know, as everyone thinks, oh, it's not going to happen to me. There's so many, you know, there's millions of businesses out there. It's not going to happen to us, but all of a sudden it happens to you, right? And so uh, if you really think about it, ransomware is, you know, is in, in and of itself its own money center, right? It, it is a huge, huge problem that the world faces and and a lot of it is coming from overseas, like North Korea, for example, right? Um, if you think about the wanna, um, I wanna cry, one of the biggest ransomware botnets in the history of the world, when the US and other ally countries started really thwarting how North Korea was, you know, stopping their arms sales, stopping their drug sales, stopping all these different uh, things, that, nefarious things that they used to do to make money, when the U.S. and the allies stopped that, well, guess what? Um, the, the North Korean regime turned to saying, all right, what do we have at our disposal that we can now make money because our other ways were all cut off, right? The gravy train stopped. We can't sell these arms. We can't do that. We can't sell these drugs. We can't do these things. So what they did was they basically uh, kind of uh, followed what other countries in Asia did by uh, having 
buildings and buildings of hackers that are sending out spyware, you know, and kind of like nation state, but they were going after consumers and they realized, you know what, if I put malware on an every, you know, any person's computer, well, I could ask them for $300 in Bitcoin and then, you know, they have to go online. They got to, you know, I'll lock down their computer and then they'll have to go spend $300 in Bitcoin, send it to me um, so that I'll send them the key to unlock it. So that became a huge problem for the world. It really did. And, you know, North Korea led the, um, the attack on that by far. And uh, when, they, especially when it came out with the, I want to cry um, botnet. This, this lines up. I was having a conversation with with another cybersecurity expert, and they were saying that a lot of the countries, it's actually when they get embargoed, when they're unable to use the normal global financial system. This is their one way of trying to make money, and so it's it's interesting to hear your confirmation of that. That it's it matches up. That these are the countries that they do it because they that's the only way they can make money. Oh yeah. Well, if if I remember that story on one of the big, you know. Sunday night, either Sunday morning or Sunday night um, uh, TV shows, it might have been 60 Minutes, uh, where FireEye um, actually parked their van in, outside, this, um, outside this corporate park in China. And they, they panned the camera and it was like 40, 50 buildings and they were like 15, 20 stories high. And they were explaining that this is nothing but hackers working for the Chinese government design and all they did was might make software and different buildings were, were responsible geographically with different part, different parts of the country different industries and their job was just to go after them and steal secrets steal secrets especially intellectual property right so that they could take something and make it for you know 10 cents on a dollar and then sell it back and it looks like a corporate park. That's amazing. So when you're when you're talking to IT decision makers, what do you find is the biggest misconception among them when they're deciding? Okay, do I bring you on, either rip and replace, or add you on as a, an additional layer, like you mentioned? Or you know, what are the issues that you're having to explain to them that you're surprised that a major IT decision maker doesn't know or doesn't comprehend it that you're having to explain to them? It's shocking, but the majority of the IT directors that we meet with don't understand how dangerous malware is. They, they don't understand the fundamentals of how spyware can get onto your network, how it can permeate. But the other side of it is they're also challenged greatly, for example, as companies expand, right, and they grow, and companies want to be on social, let me give you a, a typical social attack. So if I wanted to attack a company, what would I do? Well, I look at their social, you know, presence. And let's say it was a company that makes a toaster, you know. And what I would do is I would take a picture of a, a toaster. I would infect it, right? I would take or a video, and I would infect it. Then I'd reach out to their social networking group and say, hey, I just, who do I speak to in your company? Because your toaster just started a fire and burned down part of my kitchen. Here's the pictures, right? Well, what, what support personnel or social media person isn't going to go click on that, that, that image or that video because they're responsible to report it up, up the chain, right? 
hey, we had a problem with our toaster, right? And it's causing a fire, you know, even though it's UL listed. And they're going to be thinking, oh, my God, make sure that we get to the bottom of this right away. So they, they're going to take that video or that file and they're going to pass it around instantly. And guess what? You're going to infect people instantly because you went through their social media channel. So as companies grow and as people become you know, more and more busier, um, as we all are, well, your defenses are down or you're not thinking. And then you add the complexity that people are no longer working on their corporate networks where there were, you know, IPSs, intrusion protection systems, intrusion detection systems, right? They're working from their house. And in a lot of instances, the companies don't even give them computers. They let them use their home computer. But meanwhile, the kid was on there and the kid is a gamer and the kid is downloading malware, not knowing about it because he's on all these, you know, gaming sites and he's going, you know, and they all pass around, um, um, you know, files to, you know, get a better gun or, or win points or where to find this, you know, this Easter egg and stuff like that. So they're infecting those computers quite easily. And then you're going on and doing business. And what do you, how, what's the first thing you do? You're how, logging into your VPN. Yeah. How easy though, or how strong are the, you know, Windows defenders on my thing or people use Norton or Symantec or McAfee? Are those, are those going to catch it? Or is that not good enough on the home computer? Like you're saying? The typical well, consumer who's an employee who has no, they are not the decision maker. So there's nothing for them to decide, but they're the ones that could cause the problem inadvertently. It's a piece of cake to breach their computer. It really is. Here's the, here's the danger and the challenge in part for everyone in the world. So when hacking first started, hacking actually started back in the days and um, when hackers was stealing the dial tone when there used to be pay phones everywhere and hackers started dealing the, the, the dial tone. And I'm talking 30, 35 years ago. And they used to have these, what they call blue and black boxes. And you could actually steal a dial tone. By the way, here's a little fun fact that you used to be able to steal a dial tone with a whistle that you can get from a box of Captain Crunch cereal. And in fact, there was a famous hacker who learned, because he worked for the phone company, that if you took the whistle and you went up to a payphone, you put it there, you blew into it, and went, Hoo! guess what? You would automatically get a dial tone. And then you can call anyone that you wanted. And if it came on and said, please put in 25 cents for the next three minutes, you blow the whistle and you get three more minutes. And because it actually worked on a sound, the, the coin, when you dropped it in, it actually created... Um, this um, uh, uh, 440 hertz sound, and that's what triggered the dial tone. Well, hackers have been around for a long time. They started with, and they were called phone freakers. And then from that, they started graduating into, oh, I can bre breach into this computer. I can breach into that computer. And, and they just took it from there. Well, let's fast forward to last year in 2021. So if you look at all your antivirus products, and I respect all the guys because they've been at it for years trying to help us. And in most instances, helping most people, businesses and, and individuals, governments, you know, corporations. But the problem is that the hackers learned a magic formula to get by every computer in the world. There is a magic formula. It's write something brand new. Create a brand new virus right now, today. 
see when you when you turn on your computer in the morning, what it does is it you know it dials up to the mothership, McAfee, Semantic, Avast, you know whatever uh, antivirus you're using. So it goes to the mothership and says, "Hey, give me a list of all the bad stuff." So that whenever it goes to click on a link, if if it's going to take a site that's infected, it'll stop me. You know, we want to know what that link is. If there's an image uh, or or an attachment, I need that attachment scanned to make sure that's not bad. So you download that list. So your software is designed to go up to the mothership, pull down what they call the virus definition update. Essentially, I liken it to the old uh, top ten bad guys that they used to have in the post office, you walk in and you see top 10, you know, the FBI had it. Well, the same thing conceptually on your computer. Well, you'd have that. So your computer would pull down all the bad stuff. So when McAfee and Semantic, when they all find out about something, they reverse engineer it. They build an inoculation. They verify that they can stop it from coming in. Then they build it into their software so that when your computer comes up to it, you get an update. Now, conceptually, that's fantastic. But someone learned a long time ago that, hey, if I build five new viruses and I put out five, well, you know what? Maybe they'll spend a month finding out what each one, what it takes to you know, uh, reverse engineer it and build it in. But if I build 10, they can't keep up with that. Well, conceptually, now let me tell you where it is. So the best of all your antivirus software is today. And I'm not going to say which one's the best one because they all say that they're, they're better than each other. But they know of about 20, 25 million signatures. So in that database that sits on your computer, it knows of about 25 million bad things. And each day it updates by a couple of thousand or maybe 5,000 or 10,000 signatures. It says, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. You're saying, great. All right, good. I'm protected. Well, no. You're not. I'll tell you why. Because the new software, well, uh, because the hackers realize that we just keep on pushing them out there, pushing them out there. They'll never be able to keep up with the pace that we're pushing them out there. And last year, there was almost 900 million viruses put on the Internet. But your antivirus knows of about 20 to 25 million. That's a big number. I want to pause there. That's 90, we'll call it 100 million viruses every year. I never thought about that, right? There's, in a way, more commercial incentive. There's more money for the hackers to keep cranking it out at a bigger pace than the good guys can try to defend it and figure out those signatures. So just flood flood the system. All right, if you catch 20% of them, I hit you with the other 80%. And then the hackers realize another thing. They, they call it a zero day, where you build something brand new and you release it out there there's nothing that stops a zero day. So as soon as you put it out there, it automatically infects all these people. So the, the, the hackers really started to learn how easy it is to, 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 you know, to avoid an, a detection on your system. And in fact, a lot of malware, what it does is when it goes onto your system, first thing it does is it shuts down your antivirus, installs itself, then it'll turn your antivirus back on. And it'll make sure that it doesn't know about it. Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, wait, then there's polymorphic viruses. Okay. And in a poly, polymorphic environment, they actually change their own signature as often as, you know, the, the hacker programmed in there. Whether it's once a day or twice a day or once every hour, they change their, and they have their own engine, polymorphic engine built into the software that changes its own 
signature every day. Therefore, nothing will ever know what that is because each day, even if uh, uh, it, you know Norton finds it today, by the time they they figure it out, reverse engineer, build it in, and put it out there, it's like a month of time. It's like a month gap. But meanwhile, that thing changed its signature fifty times or or five hundred times since then. You'll never Norton will ever they'll never find out what it is, and that is really. And by the way, most people think that you know. Let me go for, format my high drive. Nah, the hackers thought about that. This software says, oh, if Eric goes to format his hard drive, encrypt this file, partition the hard drive, put it in a spot, don't even show him that it's there, let him format his hard drive, and then after he formats it, reinstall the malware. I mean, they're really good, Eric, at what they do. I hear all that, and I just think there's no hope. Why I should never get on a computer. I, there's nothing I well, don't know what to do, I hear. Actually, what, what, what am I supposed to do? No, uh, there is hope and you got to mitigate it every chance that you can. Right. But, uh, you know, again, we're talking about that home user. How would a home user, especially in an environment where everyone's working remotely, imagine a, 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 an IT director saying, oh, my God, I got 500 or I got 5000 people out there dialing in from their home. I don't know what they're using on their computers, you know, especially if it wasn't a company computer. Even if it was a company computer, they're still not behind all of the. The, the corporate resources that would potentially catch some of this, not all of it, but some of this. So it's a, it's a pretty dangerous environment out there. And now when you add in video conferencing, because now what, as I stated before, companies have realized that they could use video conferencing for their advantage. And they're now collecting data and now doing business as if they were in the office, but they're doing it remotely. So they're collecting data, they're having those meetings, they're talking about intellectual property, they're talking about MA, they're talking about healthcare, they're talking about government and DOD secrets and military and State Department stuff. So any business today uses video conferencing for just about everything that they do. They're taking orders over video conference. They're taking, you know, all right, what's your name, your address, your phone number, social security number, date of birth. You know, you're talking with someone about a portfolio, you're getting a loan. You do, they're doing it right over video conference and you're giving someone the information right then and there. So all your personal data is going back and forth. So if I have malware that can collect that, that can steal it, guess what? You have a data breach. The individual is breached and it happened over video conferencing. And why? Because you didn't do anything to stop it. That's, that's a big lift. So you, so you got to get to these IT directors, these decision makers. Are you seeing a pretty good uptick right now in terms of companies say, okay, let's let's bring on the Zerify platform, or is it still a bit of a struggle to get them to hear this message and and sign up? Well, initially it was um, a bit of a struggle because you know people didn't you know people didn't know who we are, what we do, and the other thing that we we um, that we had a little bit of an identity crisis. It's kind of, you know, ironic. We're in the protecting identity space, right? We had our own identity crisis. Is that, you know, we were strike force technologies. And what, what we found is that when people went to our site, you know, you know, I just got contacted by strike force technologies. They told me about this video conferencing system. We should go look at it. They see that, well, strike force, you know, we were into authentication, we're into mobile security, we're into anti-key login, we're into desktop security, we were into, you know, video conferencing, right? So we had, we had five products up on our site. And when I spoke to a lot of these people about, hey, 
what do you think about the system, you know, that one of our guys should show you? And they'd say, well, you know, you guys, when I look at you, when I look at the company, I, I'm, I'm, but you guys seem to do a lot of things. You know, I want someone, at least I know that, you know, whether it's Zoom or, or Teams, that's all they do, right? They're, they're video conferencing, video conferencing, video conferencing. Even though we convey the message that, hey, we're, we're also into video conferencing, but yeah, I realized that, ah, we had a bit of an identity crisis because, or confusion, I should say, because we weren't just video conferencing. We were all these different things, right? And so the things that helped us all along also presented a challenge from a messaging perspective, you know, that we got you back on video conferencing, even though we did, when they went to our site, they saw that we were into all these things. And that's basically when I got together with my partners and I said, you know, the fact that we now over the last two years uh, took a major shift, we took the technologies that we built, we've now packaged them into one video conferencing platform, um, but we're still being, you know, there's still confusion about what do we do? So that's when I had suggested that we should consider a rebrand. And so I spoke to our analysts. We have an analyst firm. We have a board of advisors. Um, you know, and I spoke to all of these different groups. And I said, hey, guys, you know, here's my thinking. It's time to rebrand the company. And everyone was like, absolutely, positively. That's the greatest thing you could do. Uh, because essentially, we're still selling and distributing the products we built. But we're going to do it all under the species of this new video conferencing company. So then we hired a, um, a Madison Avenue branding firm to work with to help rebrand us. And then they came in and they started the process. And over three months, uh, we came down to the Zerify name. And then we came down to the new names for the products, Zerify Meet or Zerify Defender uh, for the, the desktop. So there's a video conferencing component and the desktop. So once we did that, um, we, which was just in the last three months, we just rebranded now. And we built a temporary site while our permanent site is being built. Although sites are never permanent, right? They're always a, a, a process, you know, uh, there's always, you know, they're always changing. Um, but we put up a, a, a new temp site and now when people go there, all it is, all it talks about is video conferencing. And now when I, sh I went back to the original people that said, Hey, there was some confusion I realized that because we were showing you all these things. What do you think about this? What do you think about our name and our and what we do? And everyone was like, all right, that's the way it should be. You guys got it. You hit it out of the park. We love the name, you know, Zero Trust. Um, you know, Zerify stands for Zero Trust. We're, all we do now, in fact, we took the whole company, which was, you know, in all these different areas, and we the blinders are on, and all we do is secure video conferencing today. But we take an agnostic approach, right? We have our own platform. So if you want a more secure platform than you have today, we have something for you. If you have an existing platform and you're happy with it, Zoom, Teams, WebEx, any of them, but you want to make it more secure because today it's not, we can help you there as well. So we take this very, you know, um, uh, friendly approach. We're here to help you. And the biggest thing is we got to educate you on the dangers of, of video conferencing and how to stop that. But this goes back to the, we don't take that rip and replace attitude. I think I've been educated today. I think this has been eye-opening. I had no idea. I, I, I just didn't know it was that that easy to, to get into and the different ways 
that the bad guys can infiltrate and, and hide there and make it seem like they're not there. George, we have to do this again because I think there's just so much more that that we can talk about as, as news develops. And oof, this is this this gives me a lot to think about and and uh, maybe I some would, nightmares overnight. <laughs> well, I would like to add in one more thing. If yeah, I go ahead. Real quick. Um, so what we also saw is that the world is also moving fast too, right? And now the video conferencing has become such normal and it's part of the fabric of every how every company works. Companies then started coming to us and saying, hey, I have a CRM or I have an ERP or I have um, uh, you know, a, a legacy app. And I would love to build video conferencing into that app. Can you help us do that? Because now they were trusting us because they see that we're, you know, 21 years in cybersecurity. We've built two great solutions to stop the bad guys. But now as the world evolves, video, you think about TikTok and all these other things, right? Video is involved everywhere, right? Everything, if you just build with video in mind and you're going to be in a good position. Well, companies started to come to us and saying, hey, I have an app. Can you help us build video into that app as part of, you know, that app itself. So what we did was um, the first company that came to us and did that, we said, yeah, all right, let, let us look at, you know, your CRM. We said a CRM. Uh, we worked with them. Uh, we understood what they wanted to do in literally one meeting. We built, we architected something. We shared it with them in like three days later. Uh, and they spent two years and they, they contacted each of the other, five of the other companies out there, Zoom, Teams, uh, WebEx, and two others. And none of them can help them. And they said, we need to build secure video conferencing into our CRM. And we said, all right, we can do it. Here's what it would cost and stuff like that. And, um, you know, within three months, we actually gave them a final solution, which they were blown away because they spent two years with other people trying to do something. We did it in three months. And now they're deploying it. And so our third product, which I just wanted to tell you about real quick, is we actually built a secure API solution, which we call it's our Meet API. And it allows you to basically take our API and embed it inside of any program. And now you can have secure video conferencing from within that program. And th that we also feel uh, opens up a huge opportunity for us, again, because it's all about secure video conferencing. And now we're enabling your business to expand still use video conferencing but in ways that you never thought about before this has been this has been fantastic I, i've learned a ton here george i appreciate the time let's do this again again i think anyone listening if, if they got through the whole thing and they stuck with it I, you gave just so much information that the tangible examples of what's happening out there is is certainly compelling more than the theoretical of just hey you could be hacked or here's how the, the, here's how they're doing it and with numbers and specifics, I, I'm blown away, George. I, I really appreciate this today. Well, thank you very much, Eric. I truly appreciate it. Uh, thanks for coming on. Okay, thanks. Thank you to my guest, and thanks for listening. Subscribe to get the latest episodes each week, and we'll see you next time.